It feels really scary because it feels really like this part of me is really wrong and this part of me is really shameful and I don't really want to say it out loud and it's something that I haven't told many people and I think that not talking about feeling this way and not talking about working on it makes it more shameful for people and therefore people don't want to work on it. How are you doing? You seem tired. I'm very tired. I'm very tired and I I have my period, so I'm in some pain. Mm, I'm sorry. That does not sound fun. Yeah. How is it having Jeff there? It's so good. Just good to like wake up with somebody and come home to somebody and have my cuddles and my talks and my things and yeah it's good we finished succession to get well he'd already watched succession but i finished it okay and he watched like the last episode with me okay tell me tell me tell me tell me tell me what did you think of the finale of succession let's do like a skip ahead three minutes if you don't want a spoiler because i'm very curious i watched it on the plane on the way here yeah i'm in saudi arabia by the way i don't know if we've mentioned that but i'm not in the country you're in saudi Um, I loved it. I loved it. And I loved that the kids, that we had the moment of seeing the kids like get along because then the ending just made you feel so much more. And I said at the end, I was like, that's the only way out for them. Like that's what they had to do. And then Jeff was like, yeah, but I think that like they're never out. Like they will never be out because it will just consistently be fighting to prove themselves and find value. Totally, totally. I was really thrilled about the way that they ended it because I felt like it was the only way that they really could end it. Like none of the kids were qualified enough to run that company in any way. Yeah. And neither is the person that ended up <laughs> running the company. Like they're all massive idiots. But yeah. I think it makes the most sense. Like it's the most Yeah. And like, I didn't like, I don't like any of the kids. Oh, see, I love them all, but yeah, in their own ways. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I always root for Kendall. Like I have a very what? soft spot for Kendall. Yeah. Why? Why? I think that Kendall is the most compassionate of the three of them. Okay. Um, right. Like the whole killing a kid. Well, super compassionate. Well, okay. But even his reaction to that. It's a whole thing, but I find that he has the most outward compassion for other people. Like, I think that he Mm -hmm. feels the most guilt and shame for what he does and is the most outwardly, like, trying to fix things as fucked up as they are. And maybe that's me projecting onto him, but I'm always rooting for Kendall, and most of the time he doesn't. He fucks it up, but I still am rooting for him rooting for him um i'm so glad you have that hot take i feel very differently (laughs) but i'm glad that he has someone like you on his side yeah i'm i'm here for you in spirit kendall all humans deserve that i liked roman for a little while but then in this last few episodes he's like really just gone right back downhill Mm. um like in the in the funeral episode i really really felt for him but also i think that was just his acting he was so phenomenal in that episode Mm. Yeah, but they're all mourning. Was, they're all mourning the loss of, you yeah. know, a father that they did or did not have. You know, like yeah. the potential of a father. True, which is very true. Sad and relatable. Relatable. 
I thought the funeral episode was also like phenomenal in the funeral scene mm-hmm. and how they did that and the different ways that they reacted to the death. Yeah. And yeah. that like Kendall did step up. Kendall was stepping up and so was uh, Shiv yeah. and yeah. maybe my favorite. I mean, I loved all the things in Norway, but my favorite maybe thing was the fight between Tom and Shiv at the election night, pre-election night party. Totally. That was such a good fight. That was such a good scene. I watched that scene like four times. Oh, damn. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> it just kept going back and forth. Yeah, that was great. I love Tom. I mean, I love that actor. He's he's my favorite actor on the show. I love the Disgusting Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's Greg. so funny. Yeah, they're they just have such the a best mess. dynamic. They really I die do. for them. I die. I'm sad that there's not any more episodes of that show. It's over now. I know. But it's good that it ended on a high, that they chose the way that it ended, I think. Totally, because they could have just left it up for interpretation, and they did not leave it up for interpretation. It was very clear, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. And now, if you have been waiting for the succession spoilers to be done, you may rejoin the conversation. You may rejoin. So with that, welcome to Wouldn't We Like to Know? With Ariel. And Linda. The podcast where we get honest, deep, and curious about life's big conversations. Because we do not have to do it alone. Today on the podcast, we're talking about some stuff. We're talking about some stuff. Some stuff. Linda is in Saudi Arabia as we speak, Yeah, and she wanted to share something. Do you want to talk about it? Yes. So I am in Saudi Arabia at the moment, and I kind of wanted to talk about fear of different cultures, and for me specifically, that has manifested itself in fear of Arab cultures and Islam, and that is not something that I feel proud of. It is something that I'm actively working on and have been for a long time. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because I feel like the shame that I felt about it for such a long time and the way that I didn't express it with people that were close to me and like worked on it, worked through it, that kind of kept me feeling it anyway and like let the fear grow bigger and through working on it and expanding myself and like learning more about why I feel the way that I feel, which includes just me generally not feeling safe and then projecting that onto another culture. Um, and then also like all of the the dialogue around Islamophobia and 9-11 and growing up in, in that narrative and how that perpetuated a lot of racism that mm-hmm. created a fear in me. And, and I no longer want to feel that fear. And I recognize that it is not correct and not right and not accurate, I think is the Mm. best word. So Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to talk about it. It feels really scary to talk about because it is something that I feel a lot of shame about. And I recognize that that means that we should talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I also recognize that I am white. And so there's a lot of things that I don't understand and a lot of context that I don't understand, but I can talk about my own experiences and how I've worked through them. So So that's what we're talking about on the pod today. And Ariel has uh, allowed me space to do that and has made, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. and I'm glad that we mm-hmm. talked about it. Me too. I think that it is very brave of you to talk about and I'm excited for other people to listen. And we just get into kind of fear period and how yeah. restricting fear can be. And yeah. so I think if you have fear at all, which you do because you're human, 
I think this will be a good episode for you. And don't judge me, please. I'm scared. I'm scared to be judged. <laughs> We're judge holding you anyway. in a protective circle. Yeah. So everybody, that'll be up next. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Instagram at wouldn't we like to know. Send us an email, wouldn't we like to know at gmail.com. And um, we will see you on the other side of this episode. See you on the other side. I don't know about you, but I've been a ride or die for Thrive Market for many, many years now. They make a healthy lifestyle easy and affordable with their $5 a month membership. I get all my organic pantry items from them. Beans, grains, spices, snacks. I go mad for the huge chocolate-covered cashews. Mm. Uh, yes! Those chocolate-covered cashews, those are honestly my favorite sweet treat of all time. And over the holidays, I actually even brought them home and had my mom try them. And now she's obsessed with them too. Thrive also has major deals on non-toxic cleaning products, supplements, home goods, even wine, and sustainable meat and seafood. So you can get so much of your shopping done in one place. Okay, this is random, but they have the best cotton buds. They're Swedish and biodegradable. I mean, what more could you want? And they also have wellness formula, which is both of our secret weapon for not getting sick. What I love about their membership-based market is not only that they provide high-quality, organic, and sustainable products at huge savings, but they also care about their environmental and community impact. For every annual membership, they sponsor a membership for a family in need. They're carbon neutral and working on becoming carbon negative by 2025. Plus, their products are all non-GMO and go through a thorough vetting process. Take 40% off your first order when you become a member with our link, which you can find in our show notes or via the link in our Instagram bio. Now back to the show. What do you want to talk about today? Well, um, the thing that I really would like to talk about is quite a vulnerable topic, I think, for me anyway. Mm -hmm. It does have to do with where I'm at right now in the world. It feels a little scary. And I thought, well, if it feels scary, then it probably is the right thing for us to talk about on this podcast in some way. (laughs) Um, But I kind of wanted to talk about like Islamophobia and racism. Mm, okay. Uh, which is a kind of a terrifying topic for me because, I mean, I told you this recently, and I've never really shared this with people, but I experience some level of Islamophobia and like r- racism towards Arab people. And it's something that I feel really shameful about. And I think sometimes shame can be a good thing in cases like this. It's not something that I like about myself. It's something that I'm actively working on. And it's something that I have thoughts of inside my head. And I work really hard not to voice those things out loud or act upon those things in any way at all, because I recognize logically that it is wrong and that it is something that has been programmed into me by the world that I do not want to be a part of me. And so coming to the Middle East was a really expansive experience for me to really deal with this head on. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not why I came here at all, but it was something that definitely like the fears of that came up for me when I was deciding to come out here. And I was like, well, I want to deal with this. And I have been working on this actually in therapy for a long time, Um, not actively like 
every session or anything like that. It's not something that's like super, super prevalent in my life, but it's definitely something that is inside of me that I don't like that I'm trying to work on because it's, because it's wrong. And so I think that's maybe something that I want to talk about in our episode today, but it feels really scary because it feels really like this part of me is really wrong and this part Mm. of me is really shameful and I don't really want to say it out loud. And it's something that I haven't told many people, only like four people in the world know that I feel this way because I do not like it about myself and it's embarrassing. And I think that not talking about feeling this way and not talking about working on it makes it more shameful for people and therefore people don't want to work on it. Mm. or like don't focus on working on it so Mm -hmm. I thought maybe we could talk about that what do you think about that I'm down to talk and be a sounding board and a participant again I'm on my period and I am my batteries maybe at 25 percent so I'm Mm -hmm. here and let's just see what happens let's see what happens like you said I think that anything that we feel like no one will relate to inside of us, there's a great chance that someone will. And especially with something like this, it is a very real thing. And we all know that there are people on the planet that feel this way. And I'm sure that there are people that cannot admit that it's a thing that they feel or don't want to admit that it's a thing that they feel. Maybe they aren't aware that they feel that. So I wonder for us to kind of talk through it, I guess my only wariness about it is that we are two white women Mm -hmm. talking about race and talking about another culture that neither of us is in. Mm -hmm. So I guess at some point it would be important for me to maybe bring in someone who has the context yeah. Who who like has an understanding of it. But I wonder if we can just like use this as a jumping off point. Yeah. And I I thought about that as well. And I think part of why I still wanted to talk about it, maybe without a guest from that background, even, is because I recognize that this is not their issue to fix for me. It's my issue that I need to figure out and work on on my own. And I can educate myself. And at the same time, like we could bring someone in who has made it part of their life that they want to educate people on this type of racism. But at the same time, like I recognize that it is not their responsibility to educate me. It is my responsibility to educate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it feels hard to talk about because I do feel unqualified to talk about it, but mm-hmm. it is my experience. And so I can speak to my experience and how I'm working on it. And I feel like there's been a lot of conversations about racism in terms of like the BIPOC community in the United States in the last few years, but there really hasn't been much conversation about racism towards Arab people and like the Arab world. And so I I feel like there's just not much dialogue on that. And I feel like that's why I feel like it's important to talk about because it's something that I experience. And I also like, I can talk to why I feel these things and why I also recognize that they're wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start by telling me, do you know where this began for you? Yes, I do. Um, So when I first voiced it to my therapist, I was like, I feel this thing. I was getting panic attacks, not just for this reason, but um, it was one of the reasons I was getting panic attacks on like public transportation 
And oh my God. Okay. We're going to have this conversation and then we might just need to delete the episode because I feel really scared to talk about this. If this feels really vulnerable to me, it feels really shameful to me that I feel this way. Mm. Um, I am glad I feel shameful about this because it's not something I like about myself and I want to work on it again. Like I said before, I think shame can be a good thing in certain cases. Yeah. So where it began was for me, I think just growing up, I grew up in really diverse areas. Um, I grew up around a lot of BIPOC people. I grew up in Asia. So like I did have a lot of diversity in my life, but I did not have much diversity in terms of like Arab countries or um, people from Middle Eastern backgrounds. And I think when you grow up in a more homogenous way, and on top of that, when we moved to the United States and these things were being shared in the media, this was around early 2000. So it was around the time of 9-11. And there was a huge narrative in the media about how people should be fearful of Arab people, right? And like the government um, was creating all of these really, honestly, like looking back evil campaigns around like discriminating against Arab people and going into mosques. And, you know, there was a lot of fear and a lot of Islamophobia happening in the world. And that was the narrative that I was given as a child, right? And so like I can see how because of that, I like I think back to when I was in middle school, I was 12 or 13 years old and they showed us a movie. There's a movie they made about the plane hijackings on 9/11 and it like recreated it essentially. It was like the narrative of what happened on those planes. And mm. they showed it to us in our social studies class and we did not have an option to watch it or not. We had to sit there. We had to watch it. Again, like, I think I was 12. It would have been in seventh grade. So I think you're like, I think you're 12 years old, mm-hmm. if my calculations like are right. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the movie was PG 13 or R. Like, it's not made for kids. Was it United 93? I th- Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was a really scary movie and it was meant to be, you know, portraying what happened and what happened on those planes is horrific, traumatic, evil, and definitely not media to be shown to children. Um, And I think just being like force fed that as the prevalent way of seeing a certain group of people and really the only way because I didn't have exposure to Middle Eastern cultures created a narrative in my mind of fear of I should be scared. And that was super harmful to me. And because I didn't have any other narrative that became the prevalent narrative in my mind. And I think there was formed like an emotional reaction And so now I have this emotional reaction and I have this logical reaction and knowing that they don't meet, like I would like them to be fully integrated and they're becoming more integrated now, but like I'm aware that my logical and my emotional side don't always talk to each other. And so that created in me like a lot of fear around um, seeing Middle Eastern people in public, like on public transportation specifically and on airplanes specifically, not in other contexts. So just in those, in those two ways. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in college, I took a, I had a sociology minor and I took a religion class 
And that's kind of when I was like, oh, I have this fear and I don't like that I have this fear and this feels wrong. And part of the religion class was that we had to go, it was a Christian university and we were supposed to pick a different religion and go and learn about that religion, immerse ourselves in that religion and learn about the people that are part of that religion, like what they believe, why they believe it. Um, and so I was like, okay, I know that I have this fear about uh, Islam. So I'm going to pick Islam because I know that if I, racism is rooted in believing one belief about an entire group of people, right? Not about individuals. And so I was like, well, if I get to know someone from this religion, I will, I know that I will see that this is not true, right? Mm -hmm. And the more familiarity I have and the more that I immerse myself in this, the more that I will see that this is not true. I will give my, myself proof against the narrative that I was fed growing up. And so I picked Islam and we got to meet this wonderful woman. Um, I don't remember how we found her, but she was so generous with us and she like had coffees with us and um, hung out with us and was so generous about sharing about her own experiences, like for no reason. Like she did not get anything from this experience other than just allowing us to learn from her. It was so generous. Um, and we were supposed to go to a mosque for one of our assignments. And I did not because I was, I had other things going on, but honestly, I could have like, I should have gone. Like I, I could have rearranged the things and gone, you know, but like the fear, mm -hmm. I think kind of without even realizing it back then kind of like overtook. And I was like, well, I'm busy. Like I have other things to do. I'm in college. I have a job. I have all my classes. I should have gone. Mm -hmm. um, but that experience and learning from her really opened my eyes to, oh, this is so interesting. Like when people wear a hijab or when they wear uh, a niqab, like there are different um, beliefs and like different levels to these beliefs, just like there are in every religion. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like, of course, there are people that are much more extreme than others. And same thing in Christianity. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm no longer a Christian, but like I could relate to that in those moments. Um, I feel like I've just been like narrative talking for 20 minutes. No, this is perfect. I'm just listening. Helpful. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So I learned a lot about that in, through that experience. Like, uh, so when someone wears a hijab or when someone wears, wears a niqab, or I forget what the name of it is when the entire face is covered, including the eyes, like there's like a veil over the eyes. That's like very, very extreme. I've even here mm. in Saudi where I'm right now, I have not seen anyone wear that. I've only seen, mm. but there's a lot of women in niqabs. So that's basically the covering that covers the entire head with a slit for the eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's very interesting. Like there are different levels of, how to say? Devoutness. Devoutness in the religion. Exactly. And like different levels of what is, what the Quran says to do and what it does not require. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about that with her in college and, it completely like helped me dissipate the fear because I was like, oh, there's reasons for why they do this. There's reasons like that it says in the Quran for why you should do this. And that there's people that don't believe that either who are devout Muslims and don't believe that you need to do that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it gave it a face for you. Yeah. I think with anything that we're scared of, if we can put a name to it, put a face to it, like get to know it better the fear can start to go away. Yeah. So that's what it seemed like it was. And I al always this quote comes up for me of you can't hate anyone up close. Mm. And 
I think that that's very true for pretty much everything. Like once you start to unpack it, once you like sit down and try to get to know it a little bit, it's hard to completely hate something or be completely scared of something, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's cool that you were able to put context to it and like talk to someone who made it approachable for you and made certain things make sense and put it in a different light than what you saw in middle school, which was seems very, very inappropriate that that was shown in middle school, not only for the anti-Islam messaging, but also like 9-11 was extremely traumatic for everyone. And you're showing this to middle school students. Yeah. That's fucked. And I think one of the things that I didn't realize either is like there is tons of um, terrorism here. (laughs) Like the people that perpetrated 9-11, they also hate they hate many people. They don't just hate me. <laughs> they don't just want to hurt me. Like there's, yeah. it, it is like a, yeah. And I think the the narrative was they hate only white people. They only want to hurt Americans. It's not the case mm-hmm. at all. Like there's tons of um, terrorism all over the world. Yeah. There are American terrorists that look just like you and exactly. me. And that's scary too. Yeah. 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 So you had this experience with this woman, and that was in college, you said. What has that fear felt like since then? So I had a panic attack on the subway when I was 23 or 24. I thought I saw a man who was wearing, um, I think they were called a tobe. A lot of men here wear them. It's essentially like a white dressing that goes all the way down to the floor. It looks like there's not pants, so it looks like kind of like a dress or a smock. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called a tobe and he was wearing it on the subway and I thought I saw like I don't know what the hell I saw like I don't know what I, I, I wires or something like that and it totally freaked me out had a panic attack ran home and like couldn't leave the house for like a day um, mm-hmm. and I worked on that with my therapist and I haven't had one of those since but like I really recognized that something was wrong there And yeah, it still like confuses me because I don't know what I saw. Like clearly this man did not have wires on his body. (laughs) Like he did not want to hurt me. He was just trying to live his life and wear the clothing that made him feel most comfortable in his life. Mm -hmm. Do you think the prospect of you going to Saudi Arabia to visit your friend where you are right now, do you think that that kind of brought this fear back up? Mm. Because it sounds like you had this experience on the subway. Yeah. You know, was that was a few years ago, yeah? Eight years ago? Seven years okay. ago? Seven years ago, yeah. So since then, I mean, it sounds like the possibility of you going to Saudi Arabia, it's like you would be... yeah. No, it's a good question. Thinking of this head on, you know? I think I started feeling the fear again maybe like a year ago. And I think think it was just generally because my anxiety and these fears come up because I feel unsafe, right? Not because I feel because of any actual threat or danger. That's like what anxiety is. You feel unsafe. And so I think there was just a lot happening in my life where I felt unsafe and I projected it onto something else. 
right? And like, yes, there is like a fear of a, a real fear of like a threat, especially in a big city like New York City. And at the same time, like that one person on the subway wasn't trying to hurt me. <laughs> and I recognize both, right? Like see something, say something, but also like, are you really seeing something? Like make mm. sure you really ask yourself that. What is the what is the proof of is this person actually dangerous or am I just scared? And trying really hard not to act upon the fear because acting upon the fear only makes the fear stronger. And so like being really careful about, okay, don't move to the other side of the subway car. Don't switch subway cars, et cetera. If you feel like this person is threatening just because they're being versus mm-hmm. like if they're acting erratic and strange, then like go ahead and act upon the fear. So like about a year ago, it started happening again, just because I was feeling really unsafe in my life. And there was just a lot of transition in my life and a lot of uncertainty in my life. And so I was just feeling generally really, really anxious about a year ago. And so the the fear started coming back up. I started working on it again with my therapist. Um, and then I was supposed to come to Saudi Arabia in March. And it was, there were many reasons why I didn't come here in March, but one of them was definitely like, it was a minor factor, but one of the things that did come up was like, well, I'm scared to go there. I'm scared to get on the plane. I'm scared to be in a country that is full of people who dress differently than me, who act differently than me, who have different customs than me. And there was a fear, not a curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that and I talked about it with my therapist again. And again, like going back to all of the things that I said before of like, okay, well, why is there a fear? Like, am I feel just feeling unsafe generally, or is there actually something happening here? And I decided not to come then. And then when I did decide to come this time, so now it's June, a couple of months later, it was actually really interesting because I felt like a little bit of like uncertainty, but I didn't actually feel any fear. I was mostly just really excited. And one of the things I think that really helped with that was my friend who lives here has told me so many wonderful experiences of her time here. And like, she's told me she's never felt unsafe in her time here. She's never felt worried about her safety, which is a different way of saying the thing I just said. Um, (laughs) And she also explained to me like the differences of what would happen when I would come here. So like, you know, we cover ourselves. So like right now, actually in the video, when we post it, you'll see I'm wearing an abaya, which is a kind of like a flowy robe that women wear here, um, which is definitely the the least conservative of the ways of covering yourself here. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's kind of just the respectful thing to do. You cover your shoulders and your knees um, when you're out in culture here. So I understood that that would be the case. I understood that when I got on the plane, I flew via uh, Saudi Airlines. So I knew that they would say the prayer on the plane before we took off. I knew that there would be a prayer room in the back of the plane. So people would be able to go and pray during the flight. And when I experienced those things, because I was, I knew that they were going to come, I was actually like, oh, that's actually really cool. Like, I love that they do that. It's so wonderful. They're blessed. She explained to me, they're blessing the flight. They're Mm. saying like that they hope that this will be a safe flight. This will be a good experience, which is a really beautiful thing to do. Like I kind of wish- It's like making me tear up that idea because yeah, Yeah. that's that's nice. (laughs) It's really beautiful. I wish they would do that on all flights, like bless the flight before we leave because flying is inherently like not the safest thing in the world. Mm. And like how lovely that they're blessing it and how lovely that there's a space for them to- pray while they're on the flight because prayer is a huge part of their culture. And 
I, I did notice like this huge difference. And I also noticed that it was because I felt safer and more familiar and not because they changed anything they were doing, right? It was coming from inside of me and not from them. And the people on the flight were so lovely and so welcoming. And like I was sitting next to this couple and she was wearing a hijab and full full abaya. I, th- I think that's what it's called if, if it's with the hijab. And I think before that would have really scared me. Like basically everybody on the plane was dressed that way. And it didn't scare me because I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That That's part of her culture. That is how she expresses herself and how she expresses her religion and her um, her morality and her her values. Mm-hmm. Um, and the couple, they were so lovely and they were sharing with me about their culture. And like, they came around with Saudi coffee and dates at the beginning of the flight. And they were explaining to me like how, uh, she makes Saudi coffee all the time and how they make it. And like, they were trying so hard to translate on their phone while we were in flight. <laughs> and it was just, it was just so beautiful to get to learn about their culture in this way. And it felt so different from the experience that I had. Like, I wish that when I was in middle school, they would have given us in a social studies class that kind of experience versus just being like, you should be scared. Because also yeah. like that, f- what happened there, like, of course that was going to incite fear. That was the purpose of that act of terrorism is to incite fear, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, it just made it worse by creating more of that. And yeah. it's not the truth for, you know, 99.999% of people who believe in Islam. Yeah. Yeah. Like those people are the extremists. And I think in any situation where we are shown or we only see one tiny piece of something, one tiny piece of a culture, of a religion, whatever it is, and we don't give it any more context, that's a disservice to us. Yeah. That's a disservice to us. And then like, look at this experience that you had where you were able to see the humanity in these people next to you. And like, I also, as you were talking, I was just thinking how beautiful that these people get a flight that like feels like home to them. Whereas like Americans, most of the world is like made for us. Most of the world is like curated to be comfortable for us. And we're on flights where it's, it is weird to like get up and do those things. It's considered weird. And when I went to Israel last year, I told you that we took LL Airlines, which is an Israeli airline and, and people would get up specific times in the flight and pray. And, and that's not a thing that people do on quote unquote, normal flights, regular flight, like Americanized flights. So what a beautiful thing that that's feels like normal to them. That's home to them on these flights. But it's also like a very tiny percentage of the airlines of the actual flight. So like, that's like the beauty of travel and the beauty of like, learning new things. Because I do think that there's so much in the world to be scared about. And I'm scared about a lot of things too. But I also think that getting out of your comfort zone, like learning these new things, seeing new culture, it shows you like there's humanity everywhere, you know, and like this is different, but that doesn't mean that it's bad or scary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
that's so cool that you were able to have that experience on the plane. Yeah. And I think being here too, like, I mean, this country has changed drastically over the last seven years. Like seven years ago, women weren't allowed to drive. The morality police were still had power, et cetera. So like being in Saudi is like its own very specific experience, which is not necessarily what we're talking about. But like even here, talking to girlfriends who live here that are Muslim, some of them are Saudi, some of them aren't Saudi, but they're from this part of the world. Hearing them talk about how they dress like us um, and like when they're in certain places, they can like take their abayas off, et cetera, but like they'll dress the way that I'm dressed right now with an abaya on, um, which I also don't have to have on because I'm inside my own house right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think that they're so cute actually. <laughs> and some of them are like so chic. I see women around here and I'm like, oh my God, you look so good. Like they look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I actually told my friend, I was like, before I leave, I want to go and buy an Abaya because I think they're they're just beautiful and they feel so flowy and like chic and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um but they were telling me about how recently they got yelled at by a man on the street that like came and yelled at them because she like was with two men and like not covered up. And she was like, mm-hmm. you have no right to yell at me. Like I'm allowed to do this. The law says I'm allowed to do this. I believe Allah allows me to do this. So like it, I'm allowed to do this. But mm-hmm. the man like didn't believe that. And I think that's such a, another great like example of different people have different opinions on what these religious texts say same in christianity right there's like super fundamentalist christians who cover their entire bodies and then there's the people that i used to go to church with before like short shorts and crop tops you know so mm-hmm. you know that exists within every part of all all of our lives and it, there's so much danger to just generalizing in every way you know with any group of people and yeah, and, and I think you're right, like the familiarity of understanding and like learning more about people and their experiences and like the different types of experiences really helps to diminish that. You're so right, like you can't hate someone up close. Mm-hmm. And I don't think even for me, like I, that there's definitely hate. I think for me, it was just fear. I was just scared. I, I just didn't want to get hurt, right? I felt unsafe. Yeah. And I feel really thankful for having had this experience and having people open up to me and like allow me to learn from them because like I said, they don't have to do that. And it's so generous for them to share their culture with me. And that then in turn allows me to work through my own stuff and like feel less of that fear. Mm-hmm. What do you think you will walk away with after this trip to Saudi Arabia? I think like generally, I feel really excited to learn more and like visit more of this area of the world. Like I feel really excited to like, I really would love to visit like Jordan and I would love to visit Israel and I would love to visit Egypt and I would love to visit Lebanon. Like there's so many different places that I feel like now have that I've always wanted to visit, but I always felt super hesitant to visit. And Mm -hmm. now I feel like really excited to visit them. Mm. And also just like the culture here everyone is so welcoming. I've had a really, really great time here and I wasn't necessarily expecting that. And there's definitely parts of the culture that I don't necessarily agree with, but there's not a fear around it for me now. There's just a curiosity and wanting to understand and learn more about different ways of living, Um, specifically like within the city of Riyadh where I am right now, like the countryside is apparently a very different deal. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. But I think just like the openness and the excitement and like the curiosity and the expansion of wanting to learn more and wanting to visit and uh, experience different parts of this world. Because also, as I've learned, like, and duh, but there are so many like politics within this region of the world or like certain countries have conflicts with other countries or like there's not uh, any relations between those countries or like it's really hard to go from one country to another country because they don't like each other and like Mm -hmm. these are things that I just like never thought about and I feel like I've learned so much about being here and the community that I've met here uh, is also just very international and so they have a lot of knowledge about that but yeah there's just like a lot of curiosity about that now like hearing people talk about all of these different cities that and I've never even thought to visit, but they sound so exciting and so interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel expanded and like opened up. Yeah. Which I think travel does. Yeah, absolutely. And before I say this, I realized that sometimes I'll say something and it just sounds like, and everything's better now and we're all healed and we're done and that's it. But just coming in from the beginning of the conversation to now, it just reinstills the fact that fear is so constrictive, so constricting, and being able to be willing to look at the fear and be willing to dive into it, even though it's very uncomfortable. Like you just said, you feel so expansive. It's opened up all of these new possibilities of places to go and people to meet and food to eat and clothes to wear. And yeah. That I would imagine that that feels much better. It feels so much better. And and I think that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this too, because when I first said that I felt this way, this, that I had this fear, I felt so embarrassed, even just talking about it with my therapist. And the narrative that was fed to me was fed to all Americans and like all mm-hmm. Westerners for, I mean, I, I'm not educated on this, but I would imagine like for at least a decade, right? That was like the pervasive narrative. And so like, I'm sure that other people feel this fear too. And you don't have to, like, there's reasons for it, figure out what the root is and like work on it because, because it is so expansive and because it does open up and also racism is really harmful. Yeah. It's harmful. It hurts people and it hurts cultures and like, don't hold on to that. (laughs) You know, I don't want to hold on to that. And I would hope that other people feel the same way. But if you can't even admit it, then you can't work on it. Yeah. And so it feels scary for me to talk about. And I feel like it's important to talk about because like as a white person, I have to talk about it because otherwise I'm not going to be able to heal it. And then I will create harm for other people. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think the unwillingness to look at this stuff inside of ourselves creates harm for other people. Yeah. You know, I mean, exactly like you said. And I think that that definitely applies to racism, to xenophobia, all of these large, large issues um, that I think that the effects are very clear to see. But I think that it also applies to, quote unquote, smaller issues, like fears that we hold on to that we don't acknowledge in ourselves hurt other people. Like they can hurt other people because it's not allowing us to be the best, most open, compassionate people that we can be. I feel like it works on a micro level and on a macro level, but like something like this, especially talking about like racism, there's such an obviously 
harmful effect on people that we can see. So I think that you saying it, you talking about it is so brave. You were embarrassed and you were ashamed of it. And also that shined a light on a place where you could grow and expand and like work on your relationship with other people and learn about a new culture and like what an opportunity to be able to see the fear as an opportunity. It is an opportunity. I'm just thinking about like the people that I've met here, like the friends of my friend who lives here and they're just like such wonderful people. And I feel sad about the fact that I felt so much fear before because it really like closed me off to having those experiences and closed me off to those people who are just so wonderful and so generous and so kind and um, so fun to be around. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm glad that that's different now. And I do want to say too, like, I'm sure that, I mean, this fear has come up for me in cycles when I felt unsafe. I know that it's attached to that. And I'm sure that that will happen again in some form or another. And it's not fixed and it's like, okay, it's over now and it's done. But I think it will be in a different form in a smaller form if it, if it does ever come up again. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I think it would come up again is like if something really bad happened or something in the world, or mm-hmm. like I spent too much time away from it and didn't continue like to immerse myself, if that makes sense. Like if I mm-hmm. allowed the distance to grow big again, you know? the avoidance Mm -hmm. and the distance. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you. I appreciate that. I feel like you shouldn't, I shouldn't accept that. Like I shouldn't accept (laughs) your proudness of me because it's just such a thing where it's like, well, why didn't you do that? But I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just, I'm proud that you brought it up because I'm sure it did feel very scary to talk about. And I'm scared to be judged too. Like I'm scared. Well, everyone's going to judge one way or another, but oh, I, I would guess that a lot of people feel this, whether they'd like to admit it or not to yeah. some extent, because it is something that we were fed in America for a long time. And then you went, you, you had just exposure therapy, you just jumped in and look yeah. what happened. Yeah. And as my therapist says, exposure therapy does not mean jumping into the deep end if you're scared of water, like tiptoe mm-hmm. into it, you know, be gentle <laughs> yeah. with your nervous system. But, um, but it is, it is helpful and it does work. I do also want to say like with um, like the different ways of dressing, especially like here wearing the niqabs, like those still kind of like create a little bit of fear in me, but it's more about like the human fear of not being able to see someone's face or see their Mm. expressions. I think that Mm -hmm. like creates a, just like an animal instinct fear in me where I'm like, Oh, I don't know who you are. I don't know. I do want to say that because I feel like it's important. Like there's, but, but I think there's a difference. There's a curiosity and it's like a, a beauty to them wanting to express themselves in that way. And then there's also like my ideals of like, why are you covering yourself that much? Like, you don't need to do that. Is there any oppression there Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good to me? And there's a fear of like, I can't see your face. And like, that scares me because I don't know if you're mad, if you're sad, if you're happy, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also kind of the point of why they wear them (laughs) because Mm. they're saving that and like covering that for um, just the people that they allow access to that. Not everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I'm going to continue to learn about it and yeah. Yeah. 
and and I don't have to agree with everyone else's way as of dressing their bodies. So yeah, they mm-hmm. they can do what they want, and I can do what I want. Yeah, and I still want to be respectful. Hence why I'm covering my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it, but I think that with I just want to be clear because I feel like sometimes I, as I edit, I'm like, oh, that was a big statement. I just that this is not tied in a bow. We're not done. No. You know, but I think that it sounds like there was a lot of growth and that's really exciting. Yeah, there was. This was a really great trip. I'm glad I came. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for talking with me about it. 